Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to be reading together verses 1 through 10. And if you would stand for me as we read together. For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we, all must, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we, uh, we are grateful for your word, and your word has a way of ministering to us in times that are difficult, and this is one of those difficult times as a church. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we understand your word this morning, to understand its implications, and uh, that you would, uh, by your spirit, you would minister to us through your word. We submit to it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. So a little over a month ago, uh, I gave a sermon from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, for those of you who remember that sermon... Um, I was walking through what it was like to be in an earthly body, what it's like for our existence here on this planet, to live a life as Christians in our earthly body. And for those of you who, won't, who weren't here, and for those of you who were, I just want to give you a refresher on that before we get into uh, chapter 5. As we walked through it, uh, again, a little over a month ago, we noted that the Christian physical body is to be understood as a frail, decaying container. The physical body, the way we're supposed to understand it, is a frail, decaying container that came from dust, and it's heading back to dust. Came from dust, and it's heading back to dust. We've talked about this from Genesis. So that's the way we're supposed to understand our external bodies. Now, as a result, there's very little in the scriptures, there's very little in the Bible on physical fitness. You're not going to find much on physical fitness in the Bible, nor are you going to find much on good, healthy eating, what that looks like. Now, I know that we're bombarded with those kinds of messages here in, in, in this world, but from the scriptural perspective, it speaks very little about it. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 verse 8 says, uh, Bodily discipline is of some value, but godliness is valuable for this life and the life to come. So the real emphasis is on godliness. But there is bodily discipline. There is some value to that. That's about all we're going to get from the scriptures in terms of physical fitness. Then we may look to uh, eating and say, okay, what's the right diet? What's the right biblical diet? What foods uh, should we be eating? 
Again, you're going to find very little in the scriptures, uh, except from the fact that if you found honey, don't eat too much lest you vomit it up. So I guess there, there's a little uh, scripture there for you. But there's not much in the scriptures on that. And there's not much on the scriptures on our physical bodies because we are to understand it as the container, as the, as the container that's frail and is decaying. Not that, these, uh, that our body doesn't have value, but the Christian priority is elsewhere. It's on the inside. And the Bible reflects this. And so the key for, for Christians then is what this physical body is a container of. What is this physical body a container of? And it's a container of the treasure of God. The treasure of God on the inside. We, looked at, we can look at this in, uh, if you've got your Bibles there, just turn back to chapter 4 and verse uh, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In earthen vessels. The treasures inside the vessels. These, this frail, uh, decaying container we have. Where do we pick that up? That's in verse 16. We don't lose heart. But though the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day. So the existence of our physical body is one that is decaying. But on the inside, we're being renewed day by day. Because that's where the treasure is. And our body's not going with us. Our body is staying here. It's just the container. Our priority is on our soul. Our priority is on our spirit. On the treasure that's on the inside where Jesus is. Now, Christians, therefore, are to value what is eternal, not temporal. This physical body is temporal. But we are to focus on that which is eternal. Verse 18 helps us in chapter 4. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, you know, we've talked about this in the past in, in Matthew chapter 6. So where's our treasure? Where's, where's our treasure? It's not where moth and rust could destroy or where thieves can break in and steal it. It's not in physical kinds of things. That's not where our treasure is. The treasure on the inside where Jesus dwells and where we are uh, moving forward in godliness is where we're storing up our treasure. And that is the treasure where moth and rust can't uh, get at it, nor can thieves break in and steal it. That's where our treasure is. And so we're to build up the treasure that's eternal, not that which is temporal. Again, in this world, it gives you all kinds of emphasis. We're supposed to focus on how our physical body is doing. And when I was talking to Conrad about this uh, about uh, three weeks ago or so, I said, you know, this, what you have right now on the outside is this frail, decaying body. But on the inside, Conrad, you're strong. On the inside, you're strong. And so this is the thing that, can, that carries on to eternity. This is what carries on and, and what lasts forever and forever. And so for Conrad on the inside, it was continuing growing with Jesus Christ, even though his body was physically decaying. And so that gives us hope because we are people who do have hope. We're not people who don't have hope. We do have hope. And Paul now, and now that he's finished talking about the decaying outer body, now he wants to talk about what it's going to be like to be with Jesus. And he's going to be talking, now he wants to talk about what our new body is going to be like in the future. And so we pick this up here in verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What Paul is about to describe is he's going to describe 
three states. He's going to describe three states uh, of the Christian's existence. State number one is you're on this planet, and your soul is on this planet, and you're in a house. You're in a house, which is your physical house. It's your earthly tent. Once this earthly tent is shed, we get to go be with Jesus, which is where Conrad is right now. The final state, after we're with Jesus, and I'm going to talk about that state, which is incredible already. But the final state is when we get our new bodies. And we don't get our new bodies until Jesus returns. So Paul now wants to walk us through what all these uh, three different states are like. If this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Why is Paul talking about this? Paul is not talking about this because he is sick. He's talking about this because he gets the snot kicked out of him all the time. All the time. If you go back to uh, verse 8 in chapter 4, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not despairing. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul's existence was one of persecution all the time. At times, he was even beaten so bad. He was beaten so bad, stoned so bad, that they left him for dead. They thought he was dead. And you can imagine what his body would have looked like if, the stone, if all the people throwing stones figured he was dead. But he gets back up and he keeps preaching. I don't know what he looked like then, but he didn't care. He didn't care what he looked like on the outside. That's not where the treasure is. And so now he wants to move forward and talk about what it's like and what he is looking forward to as he goes forward uh, in his Christian existence. Verse 2. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. As Christians, we are in a state of groaning. We can't wait to get our new clothing, which is going to be from God. And we have a, a better picture of this in Romans chapter 8. It, it expands more on what this groaning is like. Why do we groan when we're in this physical, decaying, frail container? Why is it that we groan? If you're taking notes, you can just jot this down. This is in Romans chapter 8. In verse 19 to 23. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, not be, uh, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption, to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together until now. Now here's the key. And not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, we grow within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're groaning for. And so Paul also talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in our main text here. We are in a state now in which we're groaning. We can't wait to be with God in eternity. Why? Because we're in a frail container. <coughs> And so we look forward to the day that we get to meet Jesus. So what's that day going to look like? Verse 3. Inasmuch as we, having put on, this is having put on the new clothing, having put it on, we shall not be found naked or unclothed. Now this doesn't sound maybe very attractive when you first hear that. We're going to be naked. We're going to be unclothed when we get to glory. But there's a, there's a reason why he's describing it this way. Because those people who have died before Jesus comes back, 
They go to be with the Lord and they've not received their new bodies yet. What is that existence like? Well, let me, let me remind you from uh, Luke chapter 23. You remember the story? Uh, the most fortunate um, events for the thief, who, uh, thief on the cross, who his whole life, he led a life without God, had nothing to do with living for God. He was a scoundrel. The Roman government caught him, put him up on the cross, and he deserved to be there for the punishment that he, for what he had done, the crimes he committed. Fortunate for him, though, he got placed right beside Jesus Christ. And Jesus and this thief, both on the cross, have this mini conversation. And through the process, this thief on the cross says, I'm giving my life over to you. That's it. I'm, I'm, what I've got left, I'm giving over to you. And he says to Jesus, is there any way you could remember me when you come in your kingdom? Is there any way you could remember me? And Jesus says, I got much more for that. I got much more than that. He says, this day, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Now, the thief on the cross, in that sense, he's not received his new body yet. That's where Moses is and Elijah. That's where Paul is. So he ends this end section and says, okay, this is therefore, all that I'm saying to you, it needs to affect the way that you live. This needs to affect the way that you live. Therefore, verse 9, also we... We have, as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing with the Lord. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for the deeds he's done in the body, according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Paul says, okay, I'm, I'm telling you all about what it is, so I'm helping you understand how it all works. And First uh, Corinthians, if you want to do some more study later, First Corinthians 15 talks about how we will be transformed in a moment. In fact, you know what? I need to read that to you. It's so good. This is First Corinthians uh, 15 and verse uh, 50. If you're taking notes, you can just jot it down, but just have a listen to what this is going to be like. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. But this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. What's he talking about? He's talking about the final day when Jesus comes back. And for those of us who are still alive, and I say that in hope, because I hope to still be alive, if we happen to be alive when Jesus comes back, we don't die. We just get changed. We get changed in a twinkling of an eye. The Christians in Thessalonica, they were, or Thessalonica, they were wondering what happened to the Christians who actually died, who were already, uh, who were already believers in Jesus, because they, they weren't really taught much about that. They didn't know and so they were wondering, well, what about these people who have already died? They've died in Christ. What's happened to them? And Paul actually says, well, the dead in Christ will actually rise first. He's not saying that's where they are. He's talking about, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about a very minimal seed. It's just like a tiny seed of who we are. It's going to be planted, in a sense, with God, and therefore we'll get our new body. So he's trying to help them understand visually. Where you understand the dead to be, the dead will be raised, and they're going to get new bodies. Then we, then we are going to get our new bodies. So he's talking about, this is what we're looking forward to uh, in the end. When the, when the perishable will put on the imperishable. And so we look forward to this. But while we're looking forward to this, there's a way in which we ought to live. And the way we ought to live is to be pleasing to the Lord. And there's so many distractions in this world. 
that are telling us to focus in on what? On me. On me. And it's the way we all used to live before we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. We were selfish people. We lived for ourselves. We hid most of our motivation, or at least we tried to hold in most of our motivation, so people couldn't tell how selfish we really were. But in the end, it was all about me. And so unloving action after unloving action, after selfish act after selfish act was the way that we lived. But once we gave our life to Jesus, he transformed us. And Paul is giving us the encouragement here to say, you stay with that to be pleasing to the Lord. Why? Because there will be a day that you So there are some lessons in here because we need to leave this place with truth. This is what we needed. Truth is our anchor. And so I've got some lessons for you here I want to walk you through. And I want you to take this to heart. This is where we are encouraged. We are encouraged by God's word. I hope that you've been encouraged by what you've already heard from 2 Corinthians 5. But here's some of the key things that I, that I hope you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't forget. First of all, there's three states to the Christian soul. Three states to the Christian soul. One is it's wrapped in an earthly body. And that's us now. That's the state that we are in now as Christians. We are, are there's a wrapping in our, on, our, on, on our souls. And uh, it, it's a wrapping that's, it's a wrapping that is decaying. But that's the state we live in right now. Secondly, there's a state where we are without bodily, bodily clothing. And this is where we're unclothed with Jesus. It's an incredible state. It's very much greater, as Paul would say it. It's a state that has, we have a visual of, uh, of Moses and Elijah that, that's helpful for us. And so it's an incredible state, but they've not received yet their final uh, heavenly bodies. And that's the third state, where you're wrapped in a heavenly body, which is eternal. And of course, this is after Jesus comes back. And you can look at places like 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for this. So there's three states to the Christian soul, and it's important. 2 Corinthians 5, I think, is the best place to go to, to understand all of this. And it's helpful for us to understand all of this, especially in the light of recent, recent events with Conrad being with the Lord. It's, uh, it's an encouragement to us that he's with Jesus, but it's still very, very difficult for us while we're still here. Secondly, Christians, we're not enamored by our physical bodies. Rather, we groan for its heavenly replacement. The older I get, the more this is the reality in my life. I don't know if I've ever been enamored by my physical body. Um, but we are not. We are not enamored by our physical bodies. What we are is we groan for its heavenly replacement because this is a frail, decaying thing. And we can't wait to get our new clothing. And the more we become enamored by our physical bodies, the more we bought into this world. I get it. There are messages all the time telling us you need to be on this diet, telling us you need to be in this kind of shape, telling you you need to look like this. It's, it's bombards us all the time. Why? Because that's what the world focuses in on. We don't do that. We're focused in on our godly character. That's the treasure inside of us. Now, that doesn't mean that um, we don't try to take care of our bodies because we will actually have a better existence on this planet if we do. It'll be more comfortable for us. But our fixation is not there, and that's why there's very, very little in the scriptures on this. There is a ton out there in this world, but there is very little on the scriptures on this. And the devil, he's all about this, and he pollutes the world with, if you look like this, if you're at this kind of fitness level, then you become somebody. We become a somebody when Jesus takes care of it. 
Jesus takes control of our life. That's when we become a somebody. So Christians were not enamored by our physical bodies. Rather, we groan with its heavenly replacement. Thirdly, the earthly Christian existence is one that is absent from the Lord. This is the tough part. Because we want Jesus to come in times like this and talk to us. And it ends the way that it does.